I'm Shannon. And I am Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read or heard to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Shannon, I feel like my body is my body and is not anything else. This is, this is just a, a thing I've been telling myself and others my whole life. And uh, I thought I would just start with that. And I'm hopeful that you won't change my life uh, mission and life statement here. Well, I have bad news for you today, Rami, because today we are talking about a book called Your Body is Your Brain. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So your mind might get blown a little bit today. This is a book by... Does that mean that my body will also get blown a little bit? Uh, maybe. Probably. Because it's my brain? Y- yeah. <laughs> I'm always excited to see what you say for the intros. Like, how is he going to make this into something? That was a good one, Rami. And I never get there. (laughs) No, you get there every time. It's amusing. So, yes. So today we're talking about a book called Your Body is Your Brain by Amanda Blake. And in summary, this is a book synthesizing a lot of research on mind-body science and the connection between our mind and our body. And I, I am obsessed with this field right now, generally, like the field of somatics and embodiment. We talked about the intuitive body a couple episodes ago. We're going to be talking about this one today. There's probably more books that I'm going to be covering. And this one in particular, I think, is a fascinating read because it's helping all of us tap into the hidden intelligence in things like posture, gesture, sensation, which for me, as I've explored this field, has really opened the doors to a lot of new possibilities, a lot of things that I wasn't aware of before. We'll talk about awareness a little bit later. I think a lot of us think that our minds have all the answers. We talked about this in the intuitive body episode, you know, like our minds are the teacher and our body is the student. Mm -hmm. But I think we've got that totally bag ass words and i think amanda blake presents more evidence today that just reinforces that so we're gonna couple cover a couple of things first is talking about like why does the bat the body matter so much but more from like a scientific place a little bit then we're gonna shift into talking about different types of self-awareness like did we even ever think that there was different kinds there are and then we're gonna move into Three types of body-based sensing. And finally... Three types of body-based sensing. Yeah, there's three different kinds. That part just blows my mind a little bit of the things that I didn't know. And then we'll close it up with um, mindfulness, but doing it in the embodied way a little bit. So... I like it. Let's go. Let's take a journey here and learn about our body is our brain. Yes. So, Rami, what percent of neural pathways do you think are going from the body to the brain? Uh, Shannon, I used to be a scientist. I've looked through microscopes. I would say it's really high. I think 100% seems too high. Slightly less, like 95%. Like everything has to run to the brain. Come on. Yeah. How else is going to function? Yes, I love this. And I, I think you're going to maybe get some of these questions more right than most people would. So 80 to 90% of the vagal nerve fibers are sending signals to our brain rather than receiving signals from the brain. 
And when I first learned this, this really blew my mind, right? Because if we go back to what I said earlier in this episode, so many of us, myself included, were like, surely the mind is in charge here. Surely the mind is running the show. And in the book, Amanda says, you know, thinking of the brain as a tops-down command center is as outdated as thinking that the world is flat. Which just uh, A lot of, of people will tell you that the world is flat, though, Shannon. <laughs> but that just kind of, like, knocks you on your... Knocked me on my butt a little bit. Of like, oh, my gosh. But it makes sense, right? Like, if I pinch myself, it's not my brain who is, like inferring that i'm going to pinch myself yeah. it's my body saying hey i just got pinched so do something about that like react to the feeling of getting pinched yes yes but again i think you're going to be in the minority of of listeners here or people who are learning about this concept who are going to think like well surely like the body is the one that's in charge and telling us it's it's actually quite the reverse in many instances it makes more sense to say the body is leading the brain in terms of what should happen next or where we're going next. Yeah, I think you mm, said that backwards, but yes. No, the body is leading the brain. Yeah, before that you said the body was leading the brain. And then you said, but that's not what you would think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So the other thing that I thought was kind of amusing in, in this part of the book, is she says, you know, when we try to change simply by collecting good ideas, we often struggle or get stuck. Because we're using the wrong tools for the job. Or I would say we're missing a tool entirely, right? So how many times do you get stuck? Because you're like, surely my mind just needs to find a different way to like think about this or approach this. Mm-hmm. No, no. You need the body. Your sensations are driving so much of your actions. And because this is so automatic and so invisible, like we're not even aware that it's happening. Interesting. Yeah. And then the other thing she says that I thought just solidified for me how important the body is and needs to be, frankly, in my coaching work going forward and in my life, period. Um, She says, we spend years, often decades, in school honing our skills of logic and reason, but we spend virtually no time at all honing our capacity to wisely use our sensory intelligence. Oh. And Rami, I'm curious... Have you spent any time, quote, honing your sensory intelligence? Okay, Shannon, we've talked about emotional intelligence. Uh Uh-huh. We've talked about, do we talk about any other types? Yeah, I think we talked about, there's at least another type of intelligence. PQ, we talked about, about, yeah, PQ, positive intelligence. Positive intelligence. Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about sensory intelligence. (laughs) We're talking about sensory intelligence, yeah. I love it. This is a, like, true additional tool to our toolkit in terms of intelligence gathering uh i don't think so i don't even know I, i'm gonna be frank i don't know what that means i mean i'm, I'm gonna be rami but i don't know what that means <laughs> i'm glad you're gonna be rami i think about it as like using our senses to get information so to speak and we're gonna we're gonna dig more into that more deeply but i would say that i certainly hadn't until I happened upon this field of embodiment and somatics right like i was so of the place of like Oh, my mind is the freaking boss. And let me show you how much my mind is the boss and how I will continue to use my mind to be the boss. And this is just like tipped everything on its head. But then the question naturally comes up, which you already kind of pointed out, but like, but like, what do you even, what does this even mean? And like, how do we do this? 
So we're going to unpack that a little bit next. The first thing that I want to unpack is the different types of self-awareness that she lays out in the book. She says there's internal self-awareness and there's external self-awareness. Okay, so there's two types of self-awareness, internal and external. That makes sense. Uh Okay, tell us more. Uh Uh-huh. So conceptual self-awareness, I would say the self-awareness that most of us practice, that's like about our thinking self, right? So it's us using the neck up version of self-awareness. It's us that's based in like facts and details and information and ideas and insights and story, right? And that's internal. Yes. Okay. It's also very much rooted in the past or the future. When we're using our thinking self. Yep, 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 yep. Because if we're thinking, we're not thinking about like where our body is and how it feels. We're thinking about something that happened or something that's going to happen. Yes. So then she introduces this concept of saying there's also embodied self-awareness, right? And that's about experiencing yourself. So that's based in the sensing and feeling space, right? That's like the temperature, the pressure, the movement, pain, breath, energy level. And, and that's, that's the external. And yes, and that's all in the, the present moment of awareness, right? It's really, yes. really hard to be experiencing something or actually like be with your sensation and, and not be present. I would say actually sensing is the trick to presence, right? To pay attention to like, oh, what am I sensing in this moment right now? What am I feeling? And I don't mean feeling emotion and mood can come into this bucket too. But I mean, like, right now I'm feeling a little bit hot because I'm sitting right next to the heat vent in our house. I'm feeling my speech is really fast right now, right? I might be a little (laughs) bit like anxious or something, right? That's me being in this present moment. Versus doing what we often do, which is more in the thinking space. So, go ahead. I was just going to say, it reminds me a lot of that feeling at the end of yoga, where after you've done savasana, Uh and they're like, okay, now, like, start to feel your hands, and start to feel your toes, and start to feel your, like, breath, and start to feel your chest, and feel your, like, like, that's what I'm thinking of now when I think of external, because that's when I feel it the most, is, like, in that moment, because you've kind of cleared out your mind. And your body, actually. I always feel like I'm about to fall asleep. And then you start to, like, bring them back and slowly, purposefully feel and sense all of the parts of your body. Yes. That's such a beautiful example. And and I'm guessing that there's very few of that in our lives, right? Like, unless you're doing yoga every day. And even still, think about how sad that is. Like, you only get that one pocket of time, even if you're doing yoga every day, to be invited into sensation. Instead of how often are we invited into like our thinking space, what we think about something. (laughs) So Rami, I'm curious, which one do you feel like you've spent more time doing over your lifetime, thinking or experiencing? I mean, I'm actively experiencing my whole life, but I don't think I'm actively thinking about experiencing my whole life. I think I'm actively thinking about what I just screwed up or what I'm about to screw up. Yeah. So you're in the conceptual self-awareness place. You're in that thinking space versus the embodied self-awareness place, the experiencing place. So. What about you, Shannon? Oh God, obviously thinking space, right? Do you think that's shifted though? 
over the last like six months, year? Yes. And I think it's continuing to shift. I was just talking with my sister about this the other day, because it's not uncommon for me now in conversation to say things like, oh, I'm noticing uh, I'm my breath is getting shorter in this moment. Or I'm noticing, I might use the word like anxious, but then there's sensations underneath that because I've developed some embodied self-awareness around like, what are the sensations that indicate I'm feeling anxious? That's cool. So it it's for sure shifted and I hope it continues to shift <laughs> because it can be really valuable information, right? For like how we move up or how we move through the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, dialing up our awareness on our body, our breath, thoughts, too, and emotions. But I think without having to immediately respond, you know, like not Mm -hmm. feeling like we immediately have to jump into action is one of the best ways that we can restore that sense of, like, integration between our mind and our body, right? Of beginning to, like, think, oh, wow, our body has some wisdom to offer in any given scenario, too. Because our body is the thing that's in the present, (laughs) Our mind is not always in the present. And I think when you begin to feel those stronger sensations without compulsively needing to respond to all of them, it's like, for me, I've experienced it as like, oh, there's options that are available to me now because I am deeply in the present. And then I can choose where I want to go next based on the present sensations that I'm feeling. You're giving yourself more control over the situation. Yes. Yes. You're unlocking Yes. You're leveling up, Shannon. I mean, I don't I don't like to think about it as leveling up. I think about it more as like deepening and widening, like truly. But that's a different conversation entirely. You're leveling down. <laughs> okay. So now let's get in a little bit deeper into the how. But like, okay, Shannon, thanks for pointing out that there is such a thing as embodied self-awareness. But like, how the hell do we practice that? What does that even mean? Are you going to give us some words I've never heard before? Probably. Probably. They were words. Can you keep them to five letters or less? (laughs) No, I can't. That's all I need for Wordle. That's all I need for Wordle is five letter words that I've never heard of and I'm never going to guess. I know. Today's Wordle is kicking my butt. Uh, Yes, these are going to be pretty long words. These were words that I had certainly never heard before. But basically, there's three types of body based sensing. One of them, I'm guessing you're going to be familiar with. You're not going to be familiar with the term that they use potentially, but you'll be familiar with the concept. One of the three types is called exteroception. And that is our five senses. So that's sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, right? I have heard of those. Yeah, yeah. Exteroception? Exteroception, Uh uh-huh. Okay. So then the second one is interoception. And it's like the inverse of exteroception. And I'm wondering, Rami, did you know that there are also five internal senses? Sorry, what's the opposite of smell? I, I mean, I don't. How? Wait, but what's the inverse? So, sorry, you're There's, saying that exteroception I, wh- is the five senses, and then interoception is like the inverse of not the senses, but the the concept, the concept, the concept. of the senses. Yes, yes. So like, so those are like five external senses that we have. Yes, interoception would be five internal internal senses. senses that we have. Yes, like more of. Like, I have no idea. Okay, yeah, <laughs> right. And I didn't either. So there's actually five internal senses, and they're like our 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 heart, our gut, yeah. yep, our lungs, 
yeah. our skin, which I'm still a little bit confused about that because I'm like, that feels pretty external. That feels very related to touch. We have a lot of layers, though. Yes. Did they say what layer of the dermis they we're talking about? They did not say. That's probably how they get you because there's a lot. They go in. <laughs> and the connective tissue. So think about okay. even like when people will say, oh, I've got a gut sense here. You know, that's you practicing interoception. Yeah. If there's truly a sensation accompanying when you say something like, I've got a gut sense. Okay, so when you say, I can feel my heart speeding up or slowing down, that's an interoception. Bingo. You got it. I got a gut reaction. Oh, my lungs. It's really hard for me to breathe because I'm about to have a freaking panic attack. That's interoception. Yes. You got it. Or like, I get uh, goosebumps. Is that also interoception? I that's where I'm admittedly still gray because I could see that being like touch of the extraception or potentially interoception. I'd say like let's not get hung up on that. Let's more just focus on the fact of like you also have internal senses and it just kind of blows my mind when I learn this concept to think like shit, I've only been using half of my freaking senses, right? Mm-hmm. To inform decisions. There are or next steps. There are also these internal sensations or sense sense organs, if you will, that I can use. So that is type two, right? So we've covered exteroception, interoception. There's also this thing called proprioception. The only time that I had ever heard of this one before was when I was doing physical therapy, because it's related to our sense of balance, right? So proprioception is the thing that tells us where our body is in space. But where I think Amanda went with it is showing how, like, where our body is in space can impact our mood. So I'm going to walk you through, like, a little example. Okay. We're going to do this real time with listeners. Okay. So I want all of us to just, like, get really still for a moment. And without looking, do you know where your left hand is in relation to your left hip? Rami, do you know? Oh, sorry. I'm answering. I thought you're we were doing answering. this as a group. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's on It's on my leg right now. Yeah, you're answering just to like guide us through. Okay, sorry. Um, and do you know where your left foot is in relation to the floor? Uh, yes, it's currently above the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My left foot is on a yoga block because my feet don't touch the floor unless I put yoga blocks underneath <laughs> them. Do you know what direction your head is tilted without looking? Uh, I looked. Um, yeah, it's straight. Yeah. And mine's like always usually slightly off to the left. Like I'm just like a little bit tilted to the left. Okay. Now, so that's the first part, right? Of like getting a sense of where your body is in space. Now I want you to slump in your, into your chair a little bit. Let your arms go slack. Let your chest collapse. Maybe even, I'm going to try to stay on my mic on this one. Maybe even drop your head a little bit. How is your mood shifting as your body shifts? Oh, this is relaxing. Fascinating. So that right there is proprioception in action. It is the internal intelligence that signals, oh, wait, the position of my body is impacting and shifting my mood. That makes sense, right? I think um, I have one of those standing desks. And so I know my mood is different depending if I'm standing or sitting. Yes. So that makes 
perfect sense to me. For me, one thing that I notice, I've probably talked about this in a podcast episode before, is I notice my mood is different. Like right now, my back is not against the chair. So I am like super potentially hyper engaged. Like I'm too much like in the thing instead of backing up, letting my back rest against the chair, letting myself feel the support of my chair as a reminder of like, I have some space here. I don't need to have such a sense of urgency a little bit. So that's all proprioception in action, right? Like our bodies where they are in space can very much shape our moods and emotions. Okay. So just to swing this all together here. Yep. Exteroception are our five senses. Interoception is heart, gut, lungs, skin, connective tissue. Yep. And then proprioception is our sense of balance, but our our sense of our body in space uh-huh. and how that has an impact on our mood. Yes. So it's really like extero and tero are like things that we're physically seeing happen. Yes. And then proprioception is more an understanding of our body and how it affects our mood. Yes. Okay. And how, like, how do we use, that's the way that I think about it as well. How do we use exteroception and interoception to first get a sense? But then I think of proprio as proprioception, (laughs) I've shortened it, as the, almost like a catalyst, as a way of shifting or changing a little bit based on where we sense we are in space. I like that. Okay. So the last part in this book that I wanted to talk about is mindfulness, but how we might practice mindfulness in a more embodied way. And Amanda says something super zippy, but I was like, shoot, that resonates. So I'm just going to read this as a quote. She says, mindfulness is too often portrayed as an escape. We run from the pressures of everyday life to sit in peaceful bliss on a cushion. But where mindfulness really serves you best is when your toddler has a screaming meltdown in the midst of a locked up traffic jam with no escape in sight. Okay. So I feel I feel attacked here. <laughs> personally attacked here. I wondered if you would a little bit. I feel personally attacked here yeah so i but i love this so much because yeah i think sometimes the way mindfulness is talked about is is like an escape from the stressors and what she's encouraging is mindfulness in the sense of like building our embodied self-awareness like how am i actually feeling in my body so that we have the capacity to then make choice from that place so we need to be able to first like sense what's going on in my body, so then we can choose, right? It goes back to like that being the way into the present, and present is the only moment that you have choice in. Mm-hmm. So let's like make this into a tangible example a little bit. Breathing. Like last week when I was driving and <laughs> my kid was like, I need to poop right now. <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess we're pulling over and you're going to poop while these cars rolled past us because yeah. that's not stressful for me at all. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, I was going to take us in a different direction other than poop and <laughs> talk about breathing. So, uh, Rami, do you feel like you have much embodied self-awareness around your breath? Only when my toddler's freaking out and I tell him <laughs> to breathe and then I start breathing. Yeah, we do the same thing with Talia. We do the same thing with Talia of like, 
okay, let's breathe together right now. And uh, vulnerably, I would say the same is true for me up until reading about this. Like I just did not have much awareness around my breathing, but breathing is very tightly tied to mood. So think about it. Laughter has a certain breath pattern to it. Mm -hmm. That's very different from crying. That's very different from how you might breathe when you're holding a sleeping child. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about breath that she talks about in the book is just some stats around it. You breathe at least 900 times in an hour. That's over 21,000 times in a day and more than 150,000 times in a week. Only our heart muscles move more than our lungs in the breath. So I offer this more as an, as an example of like ample opportunity where you can begin to sense and choose just in your breath and access different possibilities just in how you choose to breathe. Like what I notice about my breathing, my massage therapist actually pointed this out. I always have shoulder tension. And she said, it's because of your breathing. She's like, you're, what? you're breathing all up, up top. So like you're, you're, the upper part of like your lungs and your back is getting overworked because you're not breathing deeply, like all the way in down to your belly. Shannon, have you seen any movie where someone tries to become a singer? That's all they learn is how to sing down, like breathe down into their belly. They're always like pushing on the bottom of their tummy and they're like, you need to bring the breath down here and then you'll be able to sing. Yes. And I um, have like a very mild form of asthma. Like I don't take my inhaler regularly, but it made me really curious. of like, Oh, I wonder how did that, I got asthma, I was diagnosed with asthma right as I was exiting Target. And I wondered how much of that was like a learned Related. way of embodiment, right? Uh-huh. That I had adapted over time. And now it's like I'm working to adapt. Undo my, that. Yeah, adapt my body again to be like, oh no, we can get a fuller breath here. And, and it can dramatically shift my mood, right? Why do both of us tell our kids or talk to our kids about like, hey, let's breathe right now when they're stressed or whatever? Because it freaking shifts your mood. (laughs) Yeah. So just an example of how you might um, tangibly begin to practice more embodied mindfulness to access choice in any moment. And before I'll I'll talk a little bit more deeper into into tactics, but before we do that, I think the the closing quote that I loved so much um, is this. Your body is an instrument, your only instrument of both perception and action. It affects every last thing you see, say, and do. So why the hell wouldn't we pay attention to it? (laughs) That's my little ad at the end. (laughs) Okay, so tactically, like, how the heck do you bring this home? Like, what the heck do you do from here if this was interesting or resonant for you in any ways? I think it buckets into two categories. We sense and we center. So sensing, right? That's beginning to practice paying attention to those sensations that we talked about. Learning to sense every part of your body from the inside and the outside. Some tangible ways that you might start with this is leveraging your mind, right? We're not saying the mind is a bad thing. Leverage your mind. Make a list of people, places, activities, causes that matter to you. But now really feel your care for them. What is the location and sensation where you feel that sense of care in your body? The second way that you might play with sensing is give yourself permission to begin to sense your preferences. So we might know what the right decision is, quote unquote, for something, 
but actually maybe give your body a chance to weigh in on what your preference might be in any moment. And again, I always break this down for clients of like, look for location, then sensation, like location, where are you feeling the greatest charge in your body? And what is the sensation? And to help with sensation, I'll talk about like, what's the temperature? What's the quality of movement? Um, What's the pressure that you might be feeling a little bit? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, just as like an added encouragement to maybe begin to practice more sensing awareness, is remember that this is also one of the easiest ways for us to access present in any moment. Yeah, I think that's the thing that keeps hitting me is you're right. Like our body is the most present thing. Our brain is like elsewhere. Yes. Yep. So whenever I am going somewhere else it's like bringing it back to my body first what am i sensing in this moment what am i feeling and sensing in this moment in my physical body okay and then the second take forward is centering which is basically about cultivating the capacity to experience sensation could be really intense sensations without having to immediately react to them so in episode 118 we offer a centering practice in that episode. So you could go back there if you want like a a standard centering practice. The other way that you might begin to play or um, in somatics, we call it titrate a little bit between feeling centered and not is getting to know your triggered self versus your best self. So again, we want to leverage your mind here. So leveraging your mind to identify a, a part of your life where you feel you perpetually get struck. So maybe you're a procrastinator. Maybe you jump into action too quickly or fixing too quickly. Maybe you shrink or hide, whatever it is. Allow yourself to remember that moment, if you will, when that happens. And then notice what's the sensation, the gesture, the posture associated with that behavior. Do you look up? Do you look down? Do you feel queasy? Do you feel tense? And then what behavior comes up? or excuse me, then when the behavior comes up, put your hand on whatever the strongest sensation is in your body. So where in your body do you feel it the most? Again, how would you describe that sensation? And really trying to use physical words rather than emotions. And then noticing what moods or emotions accompany that. And then repeat that process for you at your best self, remembering a time where you felt like you're really at your best self and where the sensation is. And that can be our ticket into then finding the shift, right? If I know me at my best self is my back against a chair, (laughs) open, spacious, relaxed, hands down, (sighs) being able to get a nice big breath, great. When I'm in my triggered self, I will literally shift my body to shift my mind. Yeah, I like that. I like that it's... Think about your triggered self, mm-hmm. understand what that means, start to really understand what that means, like what your body is doing, and then understand what your best self is. And that way, when you start to feel the triggers for your triggered self, yep. you can start to manifest your best self. Yes. The gift of proprioception. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Shannon, that was great. I think my body is definitely my brain. Okay, good. Um, how do we recap these? Uh, I think, go for it. We'd love for you to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Workplace Hugs. Tell us what you think of this episode. What resonates? What lands for you? What might you begin to play with or try from a sensing perspective? With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami. And this has been Workplace Hugs. (laughs) 